Welcome to our last day of looking together at Mark chapter 6 and Daily Drive Time Devotions, day 5, verses 45 to 56 today. And as we look at verses 45 to 52 to begin with, we're going to see once again Jesus giving his disciples an opportunity to live out the faith that they've been seeing, that they've been learning. Listen to what happens in these verses. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, before getting into what happened here, let me just make a note. Matthew, when he tells us what happens here, he tells us that this is where Peter walked on the water. It's interesting to me that Mark, who is writing with Peter's guidance, leaves that out. I think in a way you can see Peter's humility here. He, he didn't put that part in. He, he didn't let other people know the great spiritual victories that he had, but we, we're going to see later that he doesn't let them know the great spiritual failures that he faced. Now, as I read through this story of Jesus coming to them on the water, I read this story and let a lot of people read it the last few weeks, and there was one main question that people had about this story as they read about Jesus coming to the disciples on the lake. The question, the main question was this, why was he going to pass by them? He was about to pass them by. Why was he going to do that? Was it maybe to walk out in front of them to lead the way? Was he maybe going to go and surprise them on the other side? Hello, it's me, here I am, ha <laughs> ha. Maybe it was because he was a lot faster walking than they were rowing. I mean, if you could pass someone, you're running, and you could go as fast as someone riding a motorcycle, you'd pass them, wouldn't you? Is that what's going on here? No, there's something deeper going on here. Most likely, he was going to allow them to face this storm by themselves with faith in him. Remember that before when there'd been a storm, he was going to sleep through it before they called on him. Just as he'd sent them to preach by themselves at the beginning of this chapter, here he gives them an opportunity to face a storm on their own, to have faith. And he'd shown them the way to faith in the feeding of the 5,000. And now here is this field trip for faith. And they struggle. They can't see how Jesus Christ can be with them in the midst of this storm until they see someone, something out on the lake. But they can't even see then that it's Jesus. They think that it's a ghost instead of Jesus. They're afraid of Jesus approaching them. And then Jesus says these words, these three short sentences. They're very powerful. They're sentences I need to hear again and again in my life. Maybe they're sentences you need to hear today in the midst of the storm that you're facing. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When you hear Jesus Christ say those words, there is comfort and there is challenge and there is calm and there is power. Someone on our research team who read these verses noted that the three words that struck them the most in this chapter were the words, it is I. Maybe that's what you need to hear. You need to hear that Jesus is there in the midst of your storm. You are not alone. I want you to notice something. You probably did notice as I read these verses. In verse 52, the Bible says, 
the disciples were amazed. They, they couldn't believe that Jesus could do this because they had not understood about the loaves. And then the Bible says this phrase, their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. Followers of Jesus, but they had hearts that were hardened by experiences and opinions. Now, sometimes when God talks about having a hard heart, it's someone who won't accept Jesus Christ at all. They just, they just keep themselves from even having a relationship with Jesus. But these are his disciples. These are his apostles. They have a relationship with Jesus, but they also have hard hearts. And that causes me to have to ask, Lord, where do I have a hard heart? Where are there places in my life where my experiences, where my opinions have caused me to not see that you could be at work in that place? I have plenty of places like that in my life. And I need Jesus Christ to soften my heart, to test my faith, and to grow my faith. Where do you need him to grow your faith? This test of faith comes, and then at the end of the chapter, here's what happens when they land on the other side. Verses 53 to 56. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. As many as touched him were being cured. They had to touch him first. Faith, their faith came into this miracle. But Jesus Christ was the one who did the healing. And before we say a little bit more about miracles, just a question that I think many of us have. Why am I not cured of my health problems by getting in touch with Jesus? Why is my best friend, why is this person in my family not cured of their health problems by getting in touch with Jesus? Is there something wrong with me? Is it that I don't have enough faith? Well, I'm certain that you have the faith that these people did in that day. Most of them didn't even know Jesus. It was their first time to meet him, and yet he healed them. Here are the facts. While Jesus walked this earth, he chose to heal all who touched him. And then here's the other fact. He does not immediately heal all who pray to heal today. Now, both of these he does for his own purposes. I don't understand why, but he does them for his purposes, and I trust him. I trust that both will accomplish his ultimate will of bringing to himself his people for all of eternity. Now, we, we ask, in our human thinking, we ask, wouldn't more people come to Jesus if he healed everyone who asked? And my answer has to be, because I trust him, obviously not, or he would heal everyone who asked. He's going to do what brings the most people to him for eternity. God is concerned about our condition now, no doubt about it. He's concerned about your health problem. He's concerned about your job, your circumstances now, no doubt about it. But he's more deeply concerned about eternity, because that's what's going to last forever. The truth is, I've seen this many times, and you may have also, that more people come to faith through their painful circumstances than have ever come to faith by seeing someone else healed. God is at work, and I don't understand why he heals sometimes and why he does not, but I do trust him. I do know that someday I will understand it all or understand that I don't need to understand it all. I do trust him. In this chapter about miracles, there are some lessons about miracles. Lesson one and lesson two. Lesson number one, miracles do not convince faith. They grow out of faith. Now, miracles can draw our attention to Jesus. Know that Jesus is there because I saw this miracle. But then I have the choice. Am I going to have faith or not? And people are not convinced to have faith 
through miracles. You can see that again and again in the life of Jesus. People responded to miracles different ways depending on where their heart was. The miracles did not convince everyone to have faith. Even in this one chapter, we've seen some people, they had guilt because of the miracles. Other people, they were offended because of the miracles. Many people are waiting for a miracle to convince someone else to have faith, but that's not the purpose of a miracle. Miracles draw our attention, but miracles do not convince us to have faith. They grow out of our faith. Lesson number two about miracles in this chapter, the lessons of miracles are short-lived. The disciples of Jesus Christ saw him feed 5,000 men, maybe 20,000 people. Then they're in a boat that night, and they're afraid for their lives because they think Jesus can't meet their needs. We are very spontaneous people is a kind way to say this about us. And we say, God, show me a miracle, and then I'll believe in you. God, show me a miracle, and then I'll trust in you. The truth of the matter is, he has already shown me. He's already shown you all that I need by dying on a cross. His stretched out hands, the fact that nails pierced those hands, pierced his feet, that he died for you, his love for you goes to that extent. That's greater than any other miracle that could happen. There's no greater miracle in my life, in your life, than the miracle of a relationship with him that comes through our trust in him. A miracle can be like a blast of fireworks in the sky. It makes us look at Jesus. But then when we look, then we have to decide, how am I going to respond? With guilt? with fear, with unbelief, or am I going to respond with the miracle of allowing him to work his miracle of life in my relationship with him? Let's take a minute to pray together. And as you pray today, ask yourself, how am I going to respond to the miracle of God's invitation of new life for me? Maybe you've never responded, and today is the day to say, Jesus Christ, I've been waiting for a miracle to say I believe in you. And I want to I want to tell you I'm sorry. I, I've been ignoring the greatest miracle of all, the miracle of your love for me, dying on a cross, being resurrected for me. God, I see now that that's a personal invitation. And today I accept that invitation, the miracle of your love in my life. I trust you. I trust you with my sins to forgive me. I trust you to give me new life. Maybe you need to trust him for the first time, or maybe you need to trust him in this circumstance that you're facing today. And to say, Jesus Christ, I trust you. I, I, I don't understand. I may never understand. But Jesus, I trust you. And instead of allowing my life to be motivated by guilt or fear or doubt or anxiety, I want my life to be led by my relationship with you and by my faith in you. I ask that that would happen through my trust in you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, join us next week as we continue our look at Mark chapter 7 and daily drive time devotions. We're going to be looking this next week at the real life of faith. <music>